Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode three of the Discipleship Today podcast, the podcast where we break down and discuss what discipleship is and what the Bible says all about it. And of course, I am always joined by the pastor of the Grove Frill Baptist Church and the moderator of the National Association of Frill Baptists, Tim York. Tim, how are you doing today? I am good. How are you today? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. It's been a long time since we've actually done an episode um, for the discipleship today. You were in Japan for a little bit. Why don't you talk about your trip to yeah, Japan? Japan was an interesting trip. I uh, I was accompanied by Keith Burden, who is our executive secretary of the National Association of Free Will Baptists, and we traveled to uh, Sapporo, Japan, uh, for the international fellow, actually the national meeting of the Japanese Free Will Baptists, and then we had the international fellowship while we were there with church, churches and from all the countries all over the world who have Free Will Baptist works. And so we spent about four days together um, doing some talking, uh, discussing, fellowshipping, getting to know one another in all the different cultures. It takes a good while to have those meetings because uh, ever how many languages are being spoke, they have to be interpreted. And so uh, we did learn very quickly that our Japanese brothers, it took them longer to interpret it. Uh, their language is very long when they talk. And so at one point, the Panamanian brothers said, did I say all that? Uh, it was kind of cool, but it was a great trip. Uh, you know, to see discipleship in the international front is totally different than how we gauge it here in the United States. And so one of the things you have to learn is you're in this process is that discipleship uh, is a biblical phrase, biblical term, biblical theological uh, discipline that we're to practice and that we're to know a great deal about and we're to use in every walk of life. But it takes on its own different styles and different cultures, depending on how people learn, what how people think. Uh, different rails of authority, so it's, it was unique, but it's a it's a good opportunity. It was a great opportunity to be there. I will tell you that uh, getting my sleep habits back to Central Standard Time here in the U.S. was much more difficult uh, because I was bouncing back between the Eastern uh, and the Central, uh, doing some other things here in the states, and so I think I'm back to normal. Plus, we've been doing a lot of traveling, and um, some transitional things are taking place. Uh, if I could just go ahead, uh, the week I got back, I spoke in my home church in Louisa, Kentucky, Louisa Free Will Baptist Church on a Wednesday, Wednesday uh, morning at 11 o'clock. We'd met at, uh, for ARC, which is an addiction recovery center there, uh, that, uh, I, uh, I'm very blessed to be a part of and to help with Tim Robison and his staff of over 400. And that day, we estimated, I think, six, seven hundred people gathered that day in the gym of the Louisa Church and uh, celebrated that morning we met upon the hill at the Crisis Pregnancy Center for moms who are battling addiction so their babies can be born addiction-free. And so I had Congressman uh, Hal Rogers with us. It was a great day. And so there's been a lot going on, so I think we're back to some kind of normal schedule now. So hopefully discipleship today will be a little more uh, a little more Weekly, yeah. Hopefully we'll get back on the, the weekly schedule. That's our goal. <clears throat> yeah, uh, right around Thanksgiving. But Christmas. the holidays yeah, are coming. So yes. we'll see how well this works out. Um, we'll try to get as much as we can because, um, like we've said in the, last, the first two episodes we did, discipleship is a very key and important step in your Christian life and your Christian walk. Whether you're uh, a new convert or whether you're a pastor of 40 years, you still 
each day need to be discipled and still need to let Jesus speak in your life. And so this is what all of this is about, um, is kind of trying to start a resurgence of um, discipleship in not just our nation, but everywhere we go, which is what we are called to do as believers. And today our episode is mainly being about fishers of men. And I'll let you go ahead and kind of uh, ease this into what our discussion is. Well, part of discipleship in making a disciple, it's interesting to me, that Jesus, when calling those first disciples, immediately talked to them about the goal. The goal was not for them to follow him, even that was part of it. Or the goal was not to just imitate him. But Jesus said, I'm calling you so you can learn everything you need to learn, so you can go be fishermen of men. In Luke chapter 5, you have that story where he gets off the boat, the crowd is get, or gets on the boat, the crowd is gathering so strongly, and um, we first introduced to Peter, Peter and John have been up all night, they've been fishing all night long, they're professional fishermen, this is their job, you know, they had flunked out of rabbi school, uh, sometimes we forget some of those backgrounds in the culture, but... Um, my understanding is that every young man that age group went to uh, had to go to rabbi school, and either you passed or you failed. If you failed, you went back home to dad and learned his trade. So these guys are fishermen. They're they're blue collar workers. They're uh, they're non trained theologians to the other crowd. So they're out there fishing, and they're about to have the experience of a lifetime. They fished all night. They caught nothing. They're mad. They're aggravated. They've not made any money. They've not got anything to take home. Their wives are going to be upset. You know, I mean, there's all this stuff going on in their mind. And here's this guy teaching people on the side of the, and the crowds are gathering. And he says, I want to borrow your boat. So they loan him the boat. And he launches out a little ways and he teaches the people. Now, he didn't do any of the miracles when he taught the masses. But once he had dismissed the people, uh, it's just a kind of an interesting thing that the scriptures tells us that, um, you know, he was there, and he, uh, Jesus uh, pressed upon them. To, they pressed upon to hear the word of God, and he stood by the lake, and he shared with them, and he finally gets on the boat. And when he gets on the boat, he says, uh, uh, Guys, hey, uh, you fished all night, right? Caught nothing? Yeah. Well, he said, throw your nets on the other side. Now, here's a guy. Number one, he's been raised in a carpenter shop. He's not been raised as a fisherman. You know, there's nothing more than the guy who's never done what you've always done, telling you how to do it. But they do it. And so they cast over there, and of course, you know, we know the story. Their, their nets burst, and all the ships had to come around and get, you know, blessed them, and they all had to get, and uh, Peter makes that famous statement the King James records so uh, poetically. It says, you know, nevertheless at thy word, I will let down the net. And so they drop the net, and we know what happens. But it's at this point Jesus turns on them. And it's a it's an interesting phrase that Jesus really uses. As he is dealing with them, he, um, he, he makes it really clear to them that the word of God is important and that they have been called. And so you learn that James and John and Peter and, and, and these guys are all there. And Jesus says to them, now don't be afraid. Now, they're, you know, they got nervous. They got a little anxiety now that they've caught all these fish. Uh, when you follow me, you're not going to go catch fish anymore. You're now, your new job is to catch men. And so I want to move the discussion, if I can, a little bit in that phrase, catch men. 
Growing up as a young man, going to every kind of conference, we used to have soul winning conferences, evangelism conferences. Um, people talked a great deal about soul winning. We used to have Thursday night soul winning, Monday night soul winning, bus visitation. I've been through every kind of program that there is. There's the grow, there's the faith. We, we, we've tried many things throughout the years. But one of the things that never caught my eye until I really started studying discipleship was this. The end goal is to catch men, not the beginning goal. Now, Jesus didn't say that to the multitude. But he says it to those of the small group, Peter, James, and John. Because they would become the inner circle. And there would only be 12 of them all together. But the goal of Jesus was to make this inner circle able one day to go do what he did, catching men. Now that didn't mean they were ready to catch men tomorrow. That didn't mean they were ready to catch men next week. And I think one of the things we've done, we've taught, we have taught in the church a salesmanship style evangelism. And then what we really need to teach was how to be a disciple of Jesus in every aspect of your life, and then that flows out of you. It's like I, I teach here at the Grove real regular. You can't minister until you get to the overflow. So you gotta, you gotta be full of the Word of God. You gotta be prayer life. You've gotta, you gotta be trying to live by the Word of God and be under the leadership of the Holy Spirit. And as you live in this growing relationship with Jesus, it just overflows because when you read the New Testament, um, these guys get to Acts chapter 2, Jesus is gone. He's ascended. Chapter 1, they've watched him go up. Chapter 2, the Holy Spirit comes, and the moment he comes, Peter stands up to catch men. Mm -hmm. He stands up and begins to preach, and of course we know 3,000 souls got saved, and in the end of the chapter, the Lord's adding to the church every day. So the perspective here is, if I really want to be a disciple maker, if I really want to be obedient to the Scriptures... There is something about a day-to-day -day walk with Jesus. And I'm about to say something here. I don't want to be offensive to people, but I want you to think about it. Does God want me riding the emotional roller coaster of revival meeting, camp meeting? And when I say that, I'm not opposed to those. I'm saying that cannot be my sole existence or a great sermon on Sunday. It needs to be a combination a wholeness of all the parts of my spiritual walk, my daily devotion, my prayer time, my walk with God, my, my struggles with God. When I'm struggling, what I hear on Sunday, what I hear in revival meeting, what I hear in a camp meeting, what I hear in a conference, wherever I am, I'm always working to this spot to where the overflow. And here's the target point. Until you are reaching out to others on a personal basis, from the overflow of your spiritual walk, you're frustrated. Mm -hmm. Because Jesus' disciples always work from the overflow. And I think that's important for us to grasp. And like I say all the time, we're not professionals here. We're not the experts. But we do understand the Bible, and we understand the questions. And the question is, how do we get people? How do we get enough people to get so saturated with the teaching of Jesus that it's, for Peter, is more than the fish. 
it was more, you know, there was probably a, a lot of people on that bank always told the story about being there when the fish got caught. Mm-hmm. But these three guys don't mention that. They're talking about Jesus. They, they left the experience for the deeper walk with God for the overflow. And, um, you know, somebody said, well, what do you want us to do? Not have any emotion? No, that's all I'm saying at all. I'm a very emotional being. You know that. You're my son. I'm, a, I'm an extremely emotional being. But at the same point in my emotion, I want to be steadfastly enjoying the overflow that God has so that I can minister to others and reach out to others and bring hope and peace to others. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And to uh, <clears throat> kind of backtrack a little bit um, to... I got on this course there, didn't I? A little bit. Um, but to backtrack a little bit of to what you said from Scripture and, and what Scripture says, I think a lot of people get caught up on how can I be a disciple of Christ if I've never been to um, seminary or I've never been to a Bible college or I've never taken so-and-so class. These guys weren't... They failed right by school. These were blue-collar workers, like you said. And so really anybody can be... And in fact, I mean, not to say this, but I think Jesus and the Holy Spirit is going to work even better through those who aren't necessarily a, a pastor or a teacher He's going to work through them because they can experience more and they can use their experience to to reach others that we couldn't reach because we don't have the same, you know, we've never worked in a factory. We've never worked in insert a job here. Um, and so I think that's important that Jesus wasn't looking for the Bible thumper, quote unquote. He was looking for people who were everyday people and he was looking for those who could reach others around him. Uh, around them that they could connect with and make a connection with, which is a key part of discipleship is making a connection and building a relationship with others around you. Well, I think the key to understanding all this is this. The Apostle Paul said in the, to the church at Corinth, you know, God didn't call many wise, mm-hmm. many mighty, but he called some. And, and the amazing part is, thank God he does, because the rest of us need these people to... Break it down for us and give us the opportunity to understand. But what's neat about it is you and I as Christians, not as pastors, as Christians, are to be living our lives to the spot of where we're ready to catch men. But here's the problem. Most people didn't come to Jesus to be his disciple. Most people came to Jesus so they wouldn't go to hell. Right. Or because they felt bad about something they'd done wrong. The new birth conversion ought to so transform us. You know, a couple weeks here at the Grove, I'm going to be preaching on uh, Titus chapter 2, where he said, The grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us. That's what the grace of God does. To die in godliness and worldly lust, but to live soberly, righteously, and godly. How? What is that? That's discipleship. Right. And he goes on in chapter 3 of, of Titus to say, hey, and if the dude don't live that way and he's a troublemaker, mark him. Warn him once, second time, put a mark on his head. Mm-hmm. So it is crucial, and I think it is very crucial to understand that many, many people have an emotional experience with Jesus, but they didn't commit to his lordship. Mm-hmm. So when you commit to being his disciple, the ultimate goal is to catch men. That doesn't mean you start there. It's kind of like a guy said to me the other day who's just been saved a few months. He said, Preacher, I don't have enough knowledge to engage people. I said, we don't ask babies to produce babies. Right. 
We ask adults to produce babies. That's mm -hmm. kind of, and so there is that process that you have to grow into the place that you're ready to go catch men. Mm -hmm. So this is not a catchphrase. This is not a slogan to motivate people to get up and go do something. This is a goal. And the goal is more than to see someone saved. If that's all you're worried about, then you, you cheapen, deeply cheapen um, the whole experience. Now, is our goal to see people saved? Absolutely. And I don't ever want to make fun of that. I don't ever want to cheapen that. But after they've come to Christ, that salvation experience ought to thrust them into a journey of discipleship. And that's far more important than a program, than an idea, than all the other things we often encompass with going and catching men. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think another key part that you kind of brought up and mentioned is that Jesus didn't really push this idea to the masses. Um, but it was the core inner group that he he produced this to. And it wasn't one-on-one -on -one either. It was um, the four of them together. And you, there's even times in Scripture where, you know, he would say, Peter, James, John, follow me. The rest of you stay, you know, we got to go talk a little bit. And so I think that's a key point is that sometimes people get discouraged when they try to do discipleship. One, because it's a slow process. It is a very slow process. It's not something that's going to take place overnight. And then two, that you know you can't do a, a discipleship with fifty guys in a room. You know it's got to be more of a closer group, not one on one, but four to five in a group, and being accountable and talking to one another and going through scripture and going through life together. And I think that's a key a part of making fishers of men of of getting to the end goal is to have these build these relationships and see where they're going. By the time Jesus had gone back to heaven, we assume by the numbers in Acts, about 120 people were there. It's interesting to me that 3,000 souls get saved at the day of Pentecost. If you would take that and look at that, if all those people were discipled by Jesus and ready to go, then when the Bible says in Acts chapter 2 they went from house to house, there was probably 120 disciples mm -hmm. who were getting them ready to go catch men because by the end of the chapter they're catching men everywhere uh so they're but we learn what they were doing in those houses they weren't just meeting they were teaching the apostles doctrine which is rooting them in faith mm -hmm. they were having fellowship which teaches us how to live the christian life how to walk with each other how to know each other how mm -hmm. to connect with each other and they were praying together, and they were breaking bread together. That, that picture lets us know that discipleship in bringing people to Jesus and, and having them go forth and reach others. Because you remember Jesus said in the Great Commission, we, probably the most known one is in Matthew uh, 28, which you know, he says, go make disciples. In other words, disciples... The goal is to teach them to observe all things so they can go make disciples. Mm -hmm. My favorite is the one Jesus said in John 20. As my Father has sent me, so send I you. Mm -hmm. The goal is for us to be sent just like Jesus into the world to be life and light, salt. But if you're not ready to do that, and you have no want to do that, then there's a real issue. 
Because the goal of a disciple is to empty himself of everything, whether it's burying your father, whether it's carrying the cross, whether it's forsaking everything else, whether it's following Jesus so that one day you can go catch men. Mm -hmm. Now for those that are listening that aren't um, a pastor or that aren't a leader of a church and they're thinking, well, I want to be a disciple. I want to go through this process of being a disciple, of, of getting to the end goal of being a fisher of men. What steps do they take to get to that point? Um, how do they get from you know point A to point B? How do they go through a discipleship journey? Well, I think, number one, your church ought to offer that. Mm-hmm. But many times they don't. So what I would suggest, if your church doesn't offer that and you really are someone out there who really wants to do this and be a, I mean, you want the ultimate goals of a discipler, uh, is to first of all absorb everything you can with the Bible. It is God's Word, it is the, it is the whole thrust of what we do. And so I would, you know, when there's preaching, go listen. When there's teaching, go listen. Have a daily walk with God. And, 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 I think one of the things we need to do in discipleship today, and we'll do it in days ahead, is to kind of guide you in how to do a devotional life, how how to have a devotion. How What does it mean? I remember you used to try to have devotion, and I was just reading bored out of my gourd. And I, I really had to learn how to do a devotion that was devoted with God in, in the midst of what I was doing. It's not an assignment. It is a wonderful moment with God. Um, my prayer life. And so as I strengthen myself, then I come along with like believers. Let me say this. Who you fellowship with will determine how well you catch men. I've known a lot of guys who use the user's method. In other words, they would teach you how they did it, and you had to do it like them because they were the professional. And it's kind of the story about, you know, the guy who caught fish for the whole village, and one day they pulled him out catching fish, teach everybody else how to catch fish, and nobody caught fish. And that's kind of where the church has been over the last hundred years. What must happen is you must fellowship with people who are walking with God, who are praying, who are in the Word, whose goals are your goals, so that you're one together. And then I suggest that you get in not into a fellowship group, but you get into a deeper life group who says, hey, we want to not just be intentional. We just don't want to be connected, but we want to have an, a depth. We want to be deep. We want to have a, a deep walk with God. And in this being devoted depth that I want to have with God, I, we, we partner, we account to one another, we're accountable. Have you read the Bible? Are you struggling with anything? And so you're, you're seeing this purification come out in the sense that you're growing in what we really call progressive sanctification. And as you get stronger in the Lord, then turns this mission-minded person who says, wow, i got to go catch men. Mm-hmm. I've got to go catch men. Listen, how much time do you spend, uh, well, on your golf game? I don't spend enough. You, you know, people beat me all the time. But, or how much time do people spend getting ready to go fish? Literally go catch fish. Mm-hmm. Or how much time is spent to get ready to play a baseball game? Or if, in other words, we're willing to commit to all these other things, but we want church. We want Jesus. We want all this to be instant. 
It's not how it works at all. We start out as a babe in Christ, and we work our way through. And because someone's been saved 30 years doesn't mean they're still not an infant. Mm -hmm. Because they've never gone through the proper nutrition of Scripture to get where they need to be. Right. And so, to answer your question, I think you have to walk the journey. And you have to be intentionally walking the journey to grow to the place that I can start sharing and giving and understanding my faith. I will tell you, uh, I started preaching when I was 12 years old. And I saw a lot of people saved through evangelistic services in my early years. You know, it was a, I was a little bit of a phenomenon, a 12-year-old boy preaching, 14-year-old boy preaching. And so that drew a lot of people in, and a lot of people got saved. Um, in my 20s, I was a, a road evangelist. I was an itinerant evangelist. I traveled literally all over the world. Again, I was still seeing a lot of people saved. But when I settled down in my 30s and was called to a pastorate, all of a sudden it transformed me from the itinerant, quick, you know, seven-sermon guy to this guy who lives in a community, talks to people every day, walks with them every day, and, and, and I will tell you where I really started growing into this place was as a police chaplain before that in being outside my comfort zone, mm -hmm. you know, with people who weren't believers. And what it brought, what it really did was it brought me to a place to understand that I probably was just at that age ready to start catching men on a personal basis. I had won some people to Jesus and I was quick to share the gospel and I was excited about Jesus. But the depth came from the difference in my... And so I think people have to go through a process. Mm -hmm. uh, now, a lot of times people get saved and their friends get saved with them. That's wonderful. But in about three months, that all wears out. And so, you've, you know, they really do need to have this discipleship process. Yep. Now, if you're a, <clears throat> if you're a pastor and you want to get your, your people to this spot of wanting to be changing their mindset of finding success in, you know, how many people we have in our church, then, you know, and changing their mindset from that being success, success being how many people are we discipling? How many people am I personally discipling? How can a pastor or a leader of a church change that mindset, change their ways? Well, first of all, Jesus said that if the blind lead the blind, what happens to them? They both fall in the ditch. <laughs> Until the pastor is ready to lead this, it can't be done. So I said, we've been trying to talk our preacher. No, you can't talk to preacher. It's got to come from his heart. God put him there, and God has to teach him. Nobody else can do that but God. Uh, I would think if I was a pastor and wanted to do that, we're kind of doing that here at the Grove right now. We're, we're reevaluating what we do. And I would... Uh, I would think there's some there's some good people to read after. Um, uh, there's some good folks, and you you can give a reference to those in just a moment. You know who they are. Uh, but what I would do is start preaching from the pulpit in a targeted way. How these folks can, um, uh, you know, lead them. Don't don't drive them. Here's one of the things I want to say to young preachers and people: You're there, they're not. You didn't get there overnight, and they're not going to get there overnight. It's not a rebellion against your leadership. You're a leader if you're leading people, 
But if you turn around and you're the only one standing out there, you're not leading, you're taking a walk. And a lot of guys at this stage will take a walk. And they'll get up and they'll beat people and they'll make fun of the old way and they'll, they'll attack people. That's not the key. That's not the answer. That's not the way. Folks must be taught out of this. And it takes love. It takes compassion. It takes uh, a drive. And you've got to be willing to give it time. You know, here at the Grove, we're not ready yet. And we won't be ready yet. We're still working our way through it. We'll be working our way through it until we're both dead. But what I'm trying to say is our folks are pretty much on board with us, but we're still trying to get their mindset. And, and that's true with many churches. You've got to get the mindset. So, preacher, preach it. Work on it. Read books about it. But give it time. It is a totally new concept. And it has to be a hell no, you know, uh, listen, if you've been in church 30 years, Andy's only 21, <laughs> but if you've been in church 30, 40 years, do you know how many programs you've seen? How many new ideas have come along? This is the answer. And so when we get this, this is the answer stuff, our people roll their eyes and go, man, we just want to go to church, you know? And so um, we have to guide them, lead them, teach them. To get them there. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. But give us some references there. Some people we could uh, that you you read after that I've read after, and some folks we've heard recently. Yeah, um, <clears throat> pastor of uh, Long Hollow Baptist Church. He has this whole discipleship podcast as well. Um, his name is Robbie Gallaty. He has a whole uh, series. It's actually three books um, called Growing Up. It's basically the whole series of Growing Up, Firmly Planted, and Bearing Fruit. Um, it's basically a, a process of how a discipleship, how a, a church of disciple makers look and how to really go through there. Um, I was actually able to attend his conference about two months ago and went through this whole training session listening to him. And, you know, like he, he said a few times that some things are going to work, some things aren't. It's, it's the thing that is really key is that when you fail at something, failure isn't really failing but it's a lesson of okay that didn't work how can we adjust that how can we fix it and so he kind of talks about that in these three books you've read uh growing up yes and really good book yes um it's it tells about his life if you haven't heard about his life it's fantastic and um the person that actually one of the people actually mentored him david platt has a couple books i can't think off the top of my head Uh, radical yeah and i can't remember the other one but he's got he's got two books about discipleship that are fantastic um, and then one that is really, really good. I have I haven't had the chance. We've taught to, radical here at the Grove. Yes, yeah, we've taught it here. Um, a book I have, but I haven't read yet, is "Heart of a Disciple Maker" by uh, Tim Lafleur. Um, he is a fantastic. He is probably the most knowledgeable guy I've heard speak. Well, second most knowledgeable guy I've heard speak um, about discipleship and about things about how to change the culture of your church to a discipleship church. So. Um, those are the type of books I would check out. I think Robbie Zacharias has a couple of discipleship books as well. Um, there's just there's a lot of really, if you go to a website called replicate.org, they have everything there as well. Um, and if you just check your local Lifeway or things like that, they'll have sections of discipleship books that are really helpful and really key to making this happen. And if we spark some interest of discussion among our folks here who listen, we wouldn't mind doing a few um, 
conferences where we do more discussion than teaching, if that makes sense to pastors, where we get together and discuss how we can implement better discipleship inside of our churches. That's my goal is to see churches get to the place where we're making disciples, not just having folks pray at an altar and go to a baptismal pool, mm -hmm. but how do we get them beyond that point to the place of discipleship? I often say this when I'm on the road speaking in churches, and I believe it's true. If I was God, most people I wouldn't want to give my baby to. Mm -hmm. And why would God birth babies in our fellowships when we neglect them? Mm -hmm. We don't train them. We don't teach them to be a good disciple. We teach them to be a good church member. We teach them to be a good uh, whatever else we want to be. We forget about the point of leading them to a deeper, fuller, richer, sweeter walk with God. And by the way, let me say, you this. I was talking about, you know, don't beat your church up. One of the things that happens oftentimes is we don't act like a disciple of Jesus when we're speaking to our people. We act like we're mad or we're frustrated or we're broken. And we are sometimes. But the problem is we're the shepherd. They're the sheep. Uh, the shepherd, you know, you ever see a bunch of sheep out taking a vote? Mm -hmm. But they do follow that dude. Mm -hmm. And so the dude needs to let them know he loves them. He cares for them. He is, he is compassionate about their needs. You say, well, they're just a dumb animal. Well, even a dumb animal knows who to go to mm -hmm. in times of trouble. I our little dog at home has been having some major back <laughs> issues. And when it really hurts, he'll cry and he'll come to one of us and mm -hmm. like, help me. I'm in trouble here. I need help. Uh, and, and so I think the picture is sometimes we we call people, you know, names. We we turn people off. We don't act like Jesus' disciple. Jesus, Jesus never abused these guys. Mm -mm. Now, he was hard on those religious people those those <laughs> hypocrites but our churches are not full of hypocrites our churches are full of infants right and sometimes we offend the baby mm -hmm. by the way we approach them instead of teaching them training them making sense and people don't learn over all, all the time you know one of the things we're going to do here at the grove starting in the first year is whatever is preached here on sunday we're going to have a group that meets that week and discusses what we've preached we want to give them a chance to process it mm -hmm. so they can grasp it and so they can grab it and so that it'll help them grow in faith mm -hmm. and i think really what we're saying is in order for this to kind of work is you kind of ha you have to change the culture of your church right it's kind of like a a football coach um if you know we're, we're kentucky fans and you know for years we haven't had a good football team uh, because our culture hasn't been about football our culture has been about basketball and so when you give somebody time to change the culture, when you give somebody time to fix the issues and, you know, to tell to show his team that I love you, I'll take care of you, I'll fight for you, but you got to do this for me as well. We've got to do this as a process. If you change the culture of your church, like you change the culture of a football team, you'll find success. And uh, it's not, like I said, it's not something that's going to happen overnight. It's not something that's going to happen in a year. It's going to be a... You might have to wait four or five years before you see it. You might have to wait 20, 30 years before you see it. Um, but it's something that you have to continue to push through. And, you know, you might be saying, well, I might get burned out on it. If you are doing it for the right reasons, if you are doing it for Jesus and the, and the kingdom of God, 
he won't let you get burned out on it. If you do it for your own personal gain or your own personal success, that's when you get burned on out, burned out on it pretty quickly. Well, if you do it for your own success in ministry, you're in trouble anyway. Right. I would say this: it is crucial um, for us to understand everything is a mindset, and it takes time. It'll be a long process. But again, it goes back to spiritual health of a church. A church that is driven on emotion and excitement and not upon based upon deep truths of it's God's like Word. Uh, it's like church camp. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's, it's a one-moment experience. And you want to have more. It's like, you know, last week here between our service and our outreach, we had 700 people on this camp. Right. Now... That was emotionally high, but if we let that be our guide, our target, our goal, then we've missed the boat. And our goal is to, you know, reach as many people as we can reach, influence as many people. Hopefully, some many folks will be back with us next week. And they may not be, but here's what they know they know there's a church at 10543 Cedar Grove Road in Smyrna, Tennessee, that if life breaks, they know where to come to. Mm-hmm. And that's what we got to do. We got to keep reaching out to people, touching lives, fishing where we can, but teach our people that the real goal is not so much the masses as it is one-on-one going through life, being a good fisherman of men and catching men. Mm-hmm. And these guys, by the way, turned out pretty good. Yeah, they turned out. They worked out pretty well. They uh, they became the success stories that we follow to this hour. Right. And uh, when you get to heaven, there's some things you want to ask, mm-hmm. Peter. There's some things I'd like to ask John. I mean, John had a wonderful relationship with Jesus. And, and so, you know, James is that unique guy in the <laughs> New Testament. And so uh, there's just some things here that I think are very crucial mm-hmm. uh, for us to go out and catch men, be a part of what is truly God's call for his church, just to go reach people. Right. But it's got to be done in a way that we, we bring them along in a spiritual journey, not just an experience. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, I think that's, I think we'll wrap it up here. We'll start to wrap it up here. Do you have any other thoughts or uh, statements or anything that you would like to? Preacher, stay encouraged. Stay faithful. Stay encouraged. Know that uh, you can always contact us. We'll pray with you and pray mm-hmm. for you. You know, it's tough. Ministry's tough. It's a lot easier to sit behind a mic and talk about this to live it. Mm-hmm. It's easier to preach on Sunday sometimes than it is to plow through the week most guys quit by sunday night and monday morning and tuesday they're ready to try it one more day but it is that we we got to encourage our pastors we got to encourage our people that we've got a goal we've got a target we got to reach people and we got to touch and if you're not and if you're a pastor and you are pushing this make sure that you are are doing it in your own life as well um because if you are your your people are going to follow what you do they're going to gauge success off of what you gauge success. They're going to gauge their life off of how they perceive you. And so if you are telling them you have to be in the Word daily, you have to have this special prayer time, and you're not doing it yourself, it they'll follow you. Like you said, the blind lead the blind. And they'll, it just bleeds through. Right. There's some things you can't hide. That's one right. of them. And it's like that's, that's one of the key steps of changing the culture of your church I, is to live it out. I'm amazed at how much they do follow us. We didn't, let me just say this real quick. Half of our church is around my age. Mm-hmm. The other half's around your age. <laughs> and so it's just funny to me how that works out. Yeah. But uh, I'm grateful. Look forward to being with you next week. 
Next week, let's expand on this um, on this discipleship journey as far as uh, maybe some good resources, some material that would help our folks and help you and help me as I've read some stuff. I think might give us some some clear um, direction on how to be good disciples. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can always find our podcast on SoundCloud and iTunes. Um, that's where you can get every episode. We'll also post them to our Facebook page, the uh, Discipleship Today. Um, you can follow us there. Well, next week, whenever we get ready to record, um, we'll send out a post. And if you have any questions that you would like answered, we'll have it there. So you can put your questions there and ask your questions, and we'll try to get to them uh, next week. Um, like you said, we'll expand on this even more next week. We'll, we might dive into something else. Um, I kind of like what I would kind of like to also talk at some point about how this can be applied not just to the adults but to the the children and the youth aspect because um, if you disciple the students, you'll get the parents as well sometimes. And so I think that's a key point that we'll dive into at some point. Um, Next week there will be an episode, we promise. Uh, We'll get together and record at some point. We'll find a way to do it. Um, But once again, guys, thank you so much for listening to Discipleship Today. Uh, We thank you for bearing with us as we are trying to uh, get our feet back underneath us as we are trying to pick this back up. Um, But we, we hope you have a wonderful day.